What's up, everyone? Welcome into Locked On Kings. I'm your host, Charles T. Hamilton. I'm a radio host at Sports 1140 KHTK. Have a joint special edition today with uh, my man, Matt George. We're going to go over a mock draft that we did the other day and some Kings news that came out today from uh, Sam Amick. We got all that coming up next year on Locked On Kings on the Locked On Podcast Network. You are Locked On Kings, your daily podcast on the Sacramento Kings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everyone? Welcome into Locked On Kings. I'm your host, Charles T. Hamilton. have a special draft edition today with my man, Matt George, as you guys have heard and know what's happening, Matt. Man, finally, finally. I, I can't wait. Finally, tomorrow is the day. Uh, you know, as each day gets closer and closer, and I talked a lot about this last week, had a lot of guests on, a lot of good conversation. The the rumors seem to change every single day. I know you, and rightfully so, called it Hell Week on Monday's mm-hmm. episode of the uh, of the podcast, and that especially is, picking this high too. It yeah, just the, it's too much. Very well put. This is Hell Week for a lot of ways, but part of what makes it Hell Week is is the fun and the mm-hmm. excitement surrounding it. Uh, so I'm just ready to get it going. We've talked about it so much, and we're gonna do one final mock draft just between the two of us today. Uh, but let's let's finally just get to the event itself and see what Vlade and the Sacramento Kings decide to do at number two overall. I'm with you. I just want it to happen. We we we've speculated so much, and I I think you've mentioned it. I've said it too. No one knows what the Kings are gonna do. No one no one knows. So I'm just excited to see what they actually end up doing. And uh, you mentioned earlier today that Sam Amick actually talked about that. And that there's some rumors flying about maybe a little disconnect between uh, ownership and the front office about who they want to take. So disconnect, we have to be careful with the word. I know that got people going. And when I've said that before, I like to rile people up. Just because it's an argument. I mean, they hate each other. With literally every rumor, you have to take with a grain of salt because there's probably an ounce of uh, validity to it, and then a lot of crap. Truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Correct. So this rumor that really surfaced late last night and early today and Sam Amick reiterated it and if he's hearing it then you know it's got some steam mm-hmm. behind it and he reiterated it on KHDK in Sacramento earlier uh, today on the lowdown he talked about a potential uh, um, difference of opinion between the general manager of the Sacramento Kings Vlade Divac and the ownership of the Sacramento Kings, i.e. Vivek Ranadive. Mm-hmm. When Vivek first bought the team and first took over as owner, he had a very hands-on approach. And as excited as we were to have an owner here that wanted to keep the team in Sacramento, uh, Kings fans quickly d- grew tired of Vivek's involvement. Yep. He took a massive step back and has been brilliant really over the last couple of years in not getting involved except when he needed to get involved, like, for example, a protest that happened here in Sacramento, and he handled that with mm-hmm. absolute grace. Uh, but He's allowed Vlade to really build this team and organize this team. And and let's not beat around the bush. This year is massive and this draft is massive. And I think Vivek and everybody in the Kings know that this summer is going to dictate where this team is two, three years from now and if they can climb out of this hole. So basically, to make a long story short, there are rumors, no names attached, but rumors that I'm just going to use the example of Bagley and Luka Doncic. The rumor is that Vlade has a guy potentially Luka Doncic, and Vivek and ownership have their guy, potentially Marvin Bagley. Vlade, 
being the European guy with his, uh, with the the roots that he has in the European game, has spent a lot of time watching, scouting, and obviously, based off of pictures that we've seen on Instagram, has a relationship established with Doncic. And Marvin Bagley came and worked out for Sacramento, expressed interest in being in Sacramento, and clearly has shown something that maybe the Sacramento Kings ownership. It could be vice versa as well. I'm just using those names interchangeably. Could be but- Michael Porter Jr. also. I mean, it could be an, any number of players because the players' names haven't been attached. We can't assume specifically that it is Bagley and Doncic uh, or uh, Bagley and Doncic, but we've also heard they've been connected to Porter Jr. So, so the- it's it's. Yeah, it's just, it's Kings, man. Who knows? The point is that seemingly ownership is trying to have influence on this. And I tweeted this out earlier today, and I just want to say this. Vlade knows that his job is on the line in a major, major way with this draft. Yeah. If he has his decision-making undermined because of ownership involvement and desire, then if I were him, I'd just quit my job right now. Yeah. Because ultimately, he's trying to rebuild this team and do it in the way he sees fit, and he's had this plan that he's developed since the trade of DeMarcus Cousins. And if you get to this pinnacle where you can really set things into motion and then ownership pulls the rug and the power out from under you and makes a move in their direction, and if it goes wrong, you get blamed for it and you get fired for it, to me, that is so petty by the organization. I'm not saying they're doing this, but based off of these rumors, that is so petty and that is so backwards to do that that there is if that's the case there's nothing Vladi or any general manager in the league can do to bring the kings out of their dysfunction oh well, it's just professional sports and that stuff happens it would be unfortunate but uh i assume quitting your job is hyperbole because those checks will stop coming you get fired those checks continue to come in until that contract's but over ultimately his position is ceremonial oh yeah and uh i look i i uh regardless of his job being on the line uh, just as a stance, as a as a policy, I think owners should get the hell out of here when it comes to picking players and player evaluation and things like that. I, you hire a GM to run the basketball side of uh, your organization. You let them do their job. So I, I agree with the fact that Vivek needs to get out the room, yeah. let, let Vlade do his job, and let him live or die by the choice. Um, but I also understand the the ownership part of well, I own this whole thing, so if I want it this way, this is how it's going to be, and it it's bad business. But it I understand where where Vivek's coming from uh, with that. But if I mean, we'll get into it in a second with our with our mock draft. But I think we both agree that Luca should be the pick, and if it is Vlade who wants Luca, and Vivek overrules him, I I I, I think that would just be the wrong choice on on so many levels. Uh-huh. Um, just just organizationally and then also basketball-wise. And I want to be careful to mention that, again, this is just rumors that we're addressing. Yeah. You're, we're not spitballing this back and forth, saying that this is exactly what happens. This is just rumors, and we are sharing yeah. why it would be a... Because I addressed the other day, there's rumors that the Kings don't aren't in on Doncic. Yeah. So it's all rumors. No one knows what the Kings are going to do or what what they prefer to do even. So so we'll see. But it's, yes, it's all rumors. It's all speculation right now. Well, you know what? Forget them being in charge. How about we yeah. take charge? Why don't yeah. we do this? I'm drafting. I like that. So uh, the way we did this, we'll be getting to this next uh, after a quick break. So not only are we GMs, we're GMs of seven different teams, of both course. of us. Yeah. Uh, I like to call myself the executive director of basketball operations. Uh, so <laughs> Forget Adam Silver. I'm commissioned. Yeah. <laughs> sounds good. Uh, so the way we did it is I took the odds. You took the evens uh, for this mock draft we're about to get to next. So 
that uh, will be coming up next here on Locked On Kings on the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome back to Locked On Kings. I'm your host, Charles T. Hamilton. Got co-host Matt George here with me today because we are in the throes of Hell Week, Draft Week, whatever you want to call it, man. Uh, It's a mix of excitement and a mix of anticipation and just wanting to get it over with so we can can move on and figure out uh, who who obviously picked a Hall of Famer and who uh, picked a bust after uh, before we've seen anyone play. And uh, I think this mock draft we did, I think we picked 14 Hall of Famers, honestly. Uh, as I said, I took the even teams. Excuse me, I took the odd teams. Matt took the even teams. So starting out with the Phoenix Suns at number one, making the pick, executive director of basketball operations, Charles T. Hamilton, goes with DeAndre Ayton, center out of Arizona. And part of that is um, just the fact that I think that's what they're going to do. Yep. Um, I still... As you guys have heard, I'm I would I would go Doncic number one regardless of team. But the fact is, I think Phoenix is taking DeAndre Ayton, and I think he uh, I think we're kind of splitting hairs when it comes to DeAndre Ayton and Luka Doncic. Like, yeah, I guess technically it's more of a position in need for Phoenix, um, but I'm of the belief in today's NBA you can never have enough wings, and just when it comes to eating too, yes, um, absolutely fire wings. Shout out. <laughs> but yeah, DeAndre Ayton's the pick. I'm going with him. I think you could potentially form a dynamic pick and roll combination with him and Devin Booker. And obviously, uh, I, I'm a proponent. To me, one of the most important things out of your center is uh, defensive ability and being a good defender. DeAndre Ayton is not that yet. Hopefully, yeah. he can become that, become that because it's incredibly important in today's NBA for your five to be a defender and rim protector. Um, but at the same time, there's also stuff where he like. He went to Arizona to play power forward. He went somewhere where they would let him play power forward. So there might need to be an attitude, uh, attitude might be the wrong word, but a philosophy change on his part um, when he gets to uh, Phoenix. But, I mean, that's all splitting hairs and and things you don't worry about when you're Phoenix. You can't worry about fit when you're picking one or two. You just go with the best talent, and that's DeAndre Ayton. Yeah, I spoke with Dave King, who is a uh, reporter who covers the Phoenix Suns last week. If you missed that interview, you can go back and listen to it right now. Uh, and he seemed to, uh, to feel that it was 90 95% chance DeAndre Ayton is in Phoenix. Uh, he has some uh, writers and contributors to the uh, website that he's editor for um, that believe that Doncic is the best player in the draft and are saying that there could be potential of them taking Doncic, but I think the biggest shock in this draft would be DeAndre Ayton not going number yeah. one overall. The reality is if they pulled a fast one on everybody and took Doncic or somebody else that's not Ayton, they've done the Kings a massive favor. Allowing yeah, Aiton if to- that happens, I'm... I'm- moonwalking in the Kings uh, draft room. I would be ecstatic. But I think it's safe to say, and if you watch the the press conference and the interviews that they have with Aiden after his workout with Phoenix, it felt already like it was a done deal. Yeah. Uh, so it's a it's a safe pick there, Mr. Executive of whatever the hell you were. You got uh, that right. DeAndre Aiden going to the Phoenix Suns. Yes. That means the Sacramento Kings are on the clock and as commissioner, but also general manager of the Sacramento Kings, my decision... Seems like a conflict of interest. Hey, uh, shut up. <laughs> I mean, hey, you know, they did it with Chris Paul and yeah, the LA did. Lakers, yeah. so why and not abuse my power a little bit? And by abuse my power, I mean I'm I'm putting my foot down and making the decision that I <laughs> hope the Sacramento Kings end up making, and that's taking Luka Doncic at number two overall. Look at the dude's resume. 19 years old, 
he plays in Europe, yes. And I know there are a bunch of arguments as to the quality of European basketball versus the quality of NBA basketball. But no matter what you can present with me, I will always counter you with, why is that different from the NCAA? In fact, there is a difference between that and the NCAA, and that's that European basketball is better than the NCAA. And you can't argue that. I don't care how much you want to express or push this this idea that basketball in the states no matter what at any level is always going to be better than basketball in europe or any other country outside of the united states that's just not the case the european leagues are extremely competitive and this is potentially the greatest european league player ever at his age 19 years old his resume is full they just won the acb title yesterday the spanish league title and he has also been a EuroLeague Final Four MVP, the MVP of the EuroLeague, and a EuroLeague champion. 19 years old to have all those accolades and to express interest in wanting to play alongside one of your players in Bogdan Bogdanovich. And on top of that, he fills a hole and he fills a need that the Sacramento Kings have. I don't know what more the Kings could possibly need to see from Doncic to make this pick. In my opinion, he is well. I don't know enough about DeAndre Ayton and how he's going to be as an NBA player. In my opinion, Luka Doncic is a close second, if not right, even par as potential to be a star in this league if he is capable of adapting his game to the NBA, similar to how Bogey did in his first year uh, in Sacramento. So to me, it's an obvious choice, and I'm not saying I don't like Bagley or the other prospects out there and understand what they could bring to the table, but at number two overall, that means you get the second, or you have your chance at the second best player in the draft. You get to pick anyone out of the group. Luka Doncic is the obvious choice. Yeah, I think we agree on the pick. Um, I think he has the highest floor out of uh, all all the the top prospects. Um, can I just say I think we're putting a little too much in what he said about Bogey. I mean, what what was he going to say? Like, no, I don't want to play with him. Um, I, I just you know, is is I couldn't not coming from you. I've heard it from fans also. It, you know, I, I don't know if that should be a factor into whether you take the kid or not. But I agree that he should be the pit. It's icing on the cupcake. I guess, helps. but but at the same time, we're 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 taking him for his word where he got like ambushed with a question about would you like to play with this guy? Yeah, sure, why not? What's he gonna say? No, screw that. Well it's similar. so it's of course it, it you know, I, I just think we're putting a little too much into that. But either way, I agree with the pick. I think he should be the pick. I think he's got the highest floor. And like I said, in in a center heavy draft, I I don't think you can ever have enough wings in today's NBA. It's no different than the touted connection though between Marvin Bagley and Harry Giles and Aaron Fox which is also something I don't agree with either I did you know did they uh how, how how long did they play together a year yeah so I mean let's let's relax but anyways moving on Atlanta Hawks picking number three I have Jaron Jackson Jr. going there uh, Marvin Bagley could also be a pick uh Michael Porter Jr. you know it just the back it really sucks because that kid would be uh probably would go one or two if it wasn't for his injury um but the bottom line is you can't take a risk that high, which also I know people think sounds dumb. It's like, all right, if he's going three, uh, what's the difference between taking him at three and like eight? It's not that big a difference, but I, it's just more, I don't know. You just have to try and hit, get something out of this pick. And Jaron Jackson Jr. is the best uh, defensive center out of all the you know five or six centers that are going to go top 10. Uh, he's one of the youngest players in uh, in this draft. Uh, he's like you know six eleven two forty already like has a man body but is one of the youngest players out there. He can bang down low, great rim protector, 
does have a jumper, um, you know, not going to be, uh, uh, you know, a, a seven foot Steph Curry or anything, but the jumper is there. He has plenty of ability. The only thing is he fouled a lot in college. So, I mean, that's one thing you have to work on, obviously. But I think that's the pick, especially with Dwayne Dedman going to be coming a free agent next year, and you can match him up with John Collins uh, and and Torian Prince, and you got a pretty uh, big athletic front line with those three in Atlanta. Yeah, what's surprising with Jaron Jackson Jr. is that he can be he's he's got the potential to be the most sneaky good player in the draft. Mm-hmm. And by that I mean how do you how do you be sneaky good when you're the number three overall pick? Because we really haven't heard much about him except for the fact that in mock drafts he always is in the top three to top five range. That's because he's got big upside. He's definitely got stuff he needs to develop, particularly on the offensive end of the floor. I uh, talk about a solid rock defensively that you can plug into any team and expect them to be defensively better uh, which certainly would be good for the Atlanta Hawks, which are they're just starting what they expect to be a long-term or medium-term uh, term rebuild. So I don't think they could really go wrong with Jaron Jackson Jr. here. I agree with you on uh, on that pick there. Atlanta mm-hmm. uh, will have something to develop and work on. And I think hold. he's the safest at three yeah. with, with Doncic and, and Aiton uh, going going before him. Before we get to pick number four, we forgot to clarify before uh, we started the, the draft. Yeah, that good point. This uh, is assuming that no moves are made. No, tra- no picks are traded. I would be shocked if we did not have moves and shakeups in the top ten on draft. Oh yeah, night. and that first trade that's going to happen will blow up every single mock draft and also i don't know if we mentioned either that this is what we would do this isn't what we think will happen correct this is what we would do if we were making the choices so pick number four that is you commissioner the memphis grizzlies are tricky because i expect them Mm -hmm. actually to not be picking here come Mm -hmm. draft night because they've been shopping so much and they're desperately trying to get rid of the chandler parsons contract (laughs) but assuming they are picking here at number four they got to go with marvin bagley yeah Uh, you're talking about a a guy that you know and here's the deal is the Sacramento Kings have been really connected to Marvin Bagley more and more, and that may be the guy that ends up here in Sacramento. I will say this, a massive upside for Marvin Bagley, arguably going to be the most scoring-ready player in the lottery that is going to come in and make an immediate uh, impact in the scoring column, and Memphis can certainly use that. They're also looking for uh, a replacement eventually uh, for Gasol and a a replacement right now for the production that they lost with Zach Randolph leaving a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. So Marvin Bagley comes in and offensively immediately fills that hole. Yes, or the uh, Memphis Grizzlies have been a team that was based off of defense and has had their foundation based on their defense for a number of years. It's kind of a defensive culture there, even though that's not necessarily the culture of the NBA today. Bagley's biggest question mark and biggest concerns are with his defensive side. If I'm Memphis, I feel confident that by taking Bagley, I can get him into our culture and at least teach him how to be a solid team defender and rotational defender uh, to where he will not be, he will not hurt them more uh, then he helps them in the scoring column, uh, being on the floor. A wicked talent, very, very athletic. Uh, one of the guys touted to be able to do it all. Uh, I really like that pick at number four for Memphis. Uh, and again, if he ends up in Sacramento, I'm not going to be too mad. Yeah, I can't argue with any of that. I mean, especially at four, it's pretty much who you have to go with. Best talent out there. Michael Porter Jr. could be in the conversation again. The back scares you. So, anyways, moving on to five. Uh, Dallas Mavericks, I've taken Mo Bamba, center out of Texas. Huge upside. Uh, Could be a a Rudy Gobert with a jump shot. Could be a complete bust, though, also. I don't count on that happening because of the athleticism and the talent that he does possess, but it's a very high-risk, high-reward pick. 
Um, I doubt he will be a, an average NBA player. Like, that's not going to be the end. He's either going to be a superstar or, you know, barely, yeah, barely in a rotation. Um, but I, I lean more towards him being a, a damn good player. It just might take a little longer uh, because of, of his uh, lack of feel for the game, I guess you could say right now. But right. Mo Bamba, you put him next to uh, Dirk for a year, yep. um, and then that that's your guy moving forward. I mean, he's an incredible athlete. needs to put on weight also and, and strength, but Mo Bamba at five. I love that pick for Dallas. And if I was Mark Cuban, I'd be doing front flips and back flips mm-hmm. if they end up getting Mo Bamba with that fifth pick, which he ex- expected uh, to be available. You talk about someone that can learn immediately from a veteran like Dirk Nowinski and someone who fits in in the long-term plan as you have an athletic guard in Dennis Smith Jr. that's still going to be your core. You have Harrison Barnes at the three. In that case, you don't really need a Harry point B. guard or a small forward. You're looking for a big man that can make an immediate impact. Bamba is considered to already be someone that can help you defensively, which Dallas needs. Uh, I like that pick. There is the the potential really low floor and the potential for him to be a bust, uh, but you can't let that scare you if you're Dallas. He fits in in a lot of ways, and I think he could really benefit from being a Maverick. Pick number six, Orlando Magic, Mr. Commissioner. The Orlando Magic are just scrambling to find something. Mm -hmm. And we don't know what they're going to be doing in free agency, if they're going to be letting go of Aaron Gordon or trying to bring him back. It may depend on what they end up doing on draft night. But the Orlando Magic are hungry for a star. And they are so hungry that they're willing to take the risk. And that's going to be by taking Michael Porter Jr., Porter Jr., I firmly believe if he was completely healthy, he'd be the hands-down number one pick in this draft. And he's someone that is super athletic, a scoring wizard, so it seems. Probably the closest thing to Kevin Durant we've seen in a long, long time, and that's the best comparison I can put out there. Now, I hate NBA comparisons because I think it puts a lot of unnecessary pressure on on players, but based off of Porter's build and his skill set, a two-way player, can play the small forward and the power forward position interchangeably, athletic, can shoot, can also attack the basket. Michael Porter Jr. has star potential written all over him, and I would love to see him in a Kings uniform, but not at two. The risk is too high for the Kings, therefore he's going to slide all the way to six. I think he's exactly what Orlando's looking for. They're willing to to gamble on it. Worst case scenario, if it doesn't work out, they're right back to where they started. Yeah, I... uh... It makes sense. Look, I, I, we, we agree on Michael Porter Jr. He'd, he'd be absolutely a top one-two pick if it wasn't for the back, for the injury concerns. I actually initially thought he'd be going to Chicago, but Orlando could sneak in and take him. I, I think wherever he goes, it's a solid pick. Um, it, the, the thing is, I, I have a thing against uh, calling someone a bust because their body fails him. If his body fails him, that doesn't make him a bust. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, going to six, Orlando makes sense. Moving on to Chicago Bulls at seven with Porter going six. And I kind of love this pick uh, as we were doing this when it happened. I I picked Trey Young, point guard, out of Oklahoma. And part of why I love it is because you're pairing him with Zach Levine and Laurie Markkinen, who's the sharp shooting big, probably one of the best shooting big men in the league right now after one year. And if you put him with Zach Levine, uh, I know the you know Splash Brothers, again, NBA comparisons, whatever, but that's there. Zach Levine, good defender, can help cover up some of Trey Young's defensive liabilities. Uh, two knockdown shooters, you know, Stephen Clay, I know it's kind of, it's, Kind of contrived, kind of easy to to make that comparison, but that's what I would see with him being paired up with Zach Levine. Uh, people would look at Colin Sexton at this spot also, but just the 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 shooting ability of him, Zach Levine, and then also Markinen would be very tempting for me running the Bulls. So 
that's my pick, Trey Young. First Oklahoma. off, if I'm Chicago, I think I'm disappointed if Porter doesn't yeah. fall to me. I yeah. think Porter's their guy that they yeah. want to go out and get. And if they even sniff that they may not get him, they may desperately try to uh, move up, which could help teams mm-hmm. like Orlando or even Dallas. However, uh, if Porter didn't get to them and they had to make a pick, I think Trey Young makes a lot of yep. sense. Trey Young is polarizing in a lot of ways, and I'm actually really excited to see how he performs and how he comes out of the gate. Because remember, when he first started uh, this this last season with Oklahoma, he was unbelievable mm-hmm. and just putting up 30-plus points a night, easy. And he's uh, someone that I expect to be successful in the NBA, someone I expect uh, to not be afraid to sh- shoot that shot. I mm-hmm. like the, the Splash Brothers backcourt comparison. Yeah. Uh, we'll just have to see how it plays out. Moving on, and this is where you get a little uh, a little up in the air. The Cleveland Cavaliers with the eighth pick. If I'm them, I'm not doing anything to try and convince LeBron to stay. I'm just trying to... No, you're taking the, the best player. ...making the decisions and making the moves that make the most sense for me. Uh, so in that case, I'm taking um, McCall Bridges, a forward uh, out of Villanova, someone that can immediately come in and I guess try to fill that void, at least positionally, uh, that LeBron would be leaving behind mm-hmm. if he decides to go, which I expect him to. Uh, someone who has a good uh, jump shot can already provide, uh, can space the floor, uh, has his concerns about uh, just his strength and his quickness in general, on uh, especially on the defensive end of the floor, uh, but someone that I think could be a sneaky, good, scoring three uh, that can at least ease the passing of LeBron James. Nothing too special, but nothing too bad about Bridges. I think a, a safe and good pick at eight for Cleveland. Yeah, he's a three and D wing, basically. And uh, yes, he he does lack some strength and, and uh, when it comes to defense, but he can definitely guard the perimeter. And you need that in today's NBA. I'm with you on uh, Bridges here at eight. Now, some of the rumors have them taking looking at Colin Sexton at eight. And that brings me to the number nine pick, the New York Knicks. They'll be taking Colin Sexton if Bridges goes at 8-2. Cleveland, Knicks picking Colin Sexton, point guard Alabama. Frank Tilakina was a solid pick, but they view him more as a 2. And uh, which, you know, maybe, maybe not, because he's not a great scorer or anything. But uh, again, positionless basketball in today's NBA, your shooting guard doesn't especially need to shoot. So uh, I have Colin Sexton going to New York, uh, just trying to get the best player out there that they can. And that would be Colin Sexton at this point. Moving on to the number 10 pick and the end of the top 10, it always seems like number 10 has a a, a good chance of either being bust or star mm-hmm. for some reason with that spot. But the Philadelphia 76ers have that pick, and I know with Joel Embiid, they've got plenty of talent already uh, in that front court. Uh, But they're going to add on to it a little bit, I believe. They would add Wendell Carter Jr., the center out of Duke, a true center, uh, someone that you can pair alongside Embiid and take some of the defensive and and shot-blocking load uh, off of Embiid a little bit, someone who is also capable uh, of scoring the basketball when he needs to. I like what Wendell Carter uh, did at Duke, and I think 10 is a great spot or great area uh, to expect him to go. Uh, Talk about a scary front line if Wendell Carter can live up to some of the hype surrounding him and he can fit in nicely alongside Joel Embiid. Uh, that's a that's a scary front line to have to deal with on a nightly basis. Yeah, he could. Def- I think Philadelphia will be happy if Carter falls. I think they'd like to get a wing and kind of address somewhat of a need, but I think they'd be pretty happy with Wendell Carter at ten. Could either back up Joel or you could play him at the four with Joel Embiid. Uh, picking at eleven, Charlotte Hornets. Kevin Knox shooting forward out of Kentu- shooting forward out of Kentucky or small forward, excuse me, out of Kentucky. He uh, has risen up draft boards recently, but. For good reason. He's 6'9", 215, and can shoot. Uh, I mean, he's perfect for today's NBA. He's a guy that can play the three or the four. You can even slide him in at some small ball five. Uh, it just makes sense here. One of the best players uh, on the board, you go with, you, you got to take him, especially for Charlotte, who, 
you know, after today's Dwight Howard move and just trying to stay under the luxury tax, just get the best player available. You talk about an interesting spot. The Los Angeles Clippers mm-hmm. at 12 and 13 back-to-back picks so they can really do what they want at this point. And uh, it'll be interesting to see. I wonder how they're going to do it with the TV broadcast if they're going to be on the clock immediately yeah, afterwards. Right, really. Another extra or five we'll, yeah, minutes. make two back-to-back. Yeah, that's a good point. I hope that's not the case. But uh, in the event at 12, the Clippers hold on to their pick. With both of these picks, uh-huh. if they're looking for a star or someone to really come in and help them immediately, I think they're they're shooting too far. Uh, they're looking for potentially two solid role players to decent starters that can help them continue uh, to move in their uh their direction mm-hmm. or the the direction they're interested in. I like Miles Bridges there uh, at 12. Yeah. Freakishly athletic. Uh, also seems to be um, not great in anything offensively, but good enough to be able to score whether you rotate him off the bench behind Tobias Harris or what you want to do with him. You can play him both at the small forward or power forward position. Uh, I like his athleticism a lot, which makes him a good fit in that Lob City environment with DeAndre Jordan. Uh, someone that I think could help uh, you bring in if you're the LA Clippers and immediately you're seeing results and he is providing another extra spark to help them continue yeah and when you made that pick I was pretty ecstatic because I think that is the move right there especially with if Bridges is available there and he could be probably should be um and he it's too bad for them that they're actually filling their shooting for small forward spot uh after you know eight years of trying to do it with Chris Paul and all them but now that they're all gone they'll be able to do it. So I love that pick with Bridges because then that leads to uh, Robert Williams out of Texas A&M. He could come in, back up DeAndre Jordan for a year, and then replace him because I think we all believe Jordan will be gone uh, after this year. He's already mentioned he wants to go to Houston, which is ridiculous because there's no way they'd get rid of a younger DeAndre Jordan and Clint Capella to go for a 30-year-old DeAndre Jordan uh, in DeAndre Jordan. So uh, I I got Robert Williams. They might look for more scoring uh, with uh, Lonnie Walker out of Miami, but I do think it is... uh, 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 Robert Williams just makes too much sense here. Last one then to wrap it up, and I have to apologize if I pronounce his name wrong because I've heard it pronounced six, seven different ways, and I'm just going to uh, take my best shot at it. But the Denver Nuggets at 14, there's question whether or not they're going to hold on to this pick. Uh, but if they do, one of their biggest needs is at a point guard position. There's a player available uh, that I think could be an enticing uh, pick for them at that spot, and that's uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander. I believe that's pronounced correctly. Correct. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, out of Kentucky, anytime you get a guard out of Kentucky, Kentucky, there's high expectation uh, with that guard, but uh, he's kind of flown under the radar a, a little bit, being from Kentucky and being at the very tail end of the lottery, slotted to go late tens, things mm-hmm. of that nature. Um, but someone who has great size for a point guard at six six, but also a, a fair amount of uh, amount of quickness to his game. Someone that I think the Denver Nuggets uh, could plug in that fits Mike Malone's system. Uh, he doesn't have to be an immediate impact player. They can ease him into it and someone that can take over that role. Uh, the Denver Nuggets really are a point guard away, in my opinion, from being a legitimate threat at a mid to maybe high uh, spot in the Western Conference. They've been making massive jumps every single year, and I think uh, this guy could potentially be coming in and and be the difference maker for the Denver Nuggets. There it is. That was the Locked on Kings Lottery Mock Draft. We'll be back to you in just a second. 
Welcome back to Locked on Kings. Thank you for listening to our lottery mock draft. As I mentioned before, Matt and I will be on Sports 1140 KHTK tomorrow, uh, 7 to 10, doing a draft post show. So definitely tune into that. Matt, thank you for joining me. Let's do the draft, man. Let's it was do it. Fun. Let's get to it, man, for sure. I'm excited. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back Friday with a, uh, a, a draft recap. And uh, as I said, check us out tomorrow and uh, enjoy. Peace. You are Locked On Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.